Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. Welcome, rugby fans, to another Run, Pass, or Kick episode here at the Rugby Rant. And I have, of course, Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt coming to you, and I'm flying solo like an eagle in the sky because I've got the number one eagle right now in the United States, and that is none other than the head eagle, head coach, Scott Lawrence. Scott, thank you for joining the show. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I had a great time the last time I was on, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. Well, again, thank you so much. I know you've got a busy schedule uh, getting ready and having a plan uh, for the Eagles moving forward, but we wanted to give fans a little bit uh, of insider information, a little bit of uh, uh, more detail about some of those pieces as we come off of the, the, the qualifying component and, and move forward into 2027. So before we get into that, just real quick, for those that don't know Scott, um, I don't know how you couldn't. Uh, he is himself a player as a U.S. Eagle, number 364, five caps, uh, coached the USA 20s, uh, junior world trophy in 2012. And, and that's where really Scott got to start. You know, he came back from that uh, plane ride. I think it was, uh, was that coming back from Japan or was that coming back from Georgia? Georgia. And yeah. you immediately, immediately started the plan for the next go around. And of course, you guys won it in uh, 2012. So, um, we know that the, that you'll have a plan and, and moving forward. And of course, um, a stellar career coach coaching life university, several national championships, us Eagle assistant coach, GM, a uh, former GM and, and head coach of rugby ATL. And of course now USA interim head coach. And that's why we brought you in my friend. So if everybody's ready, I'm going to explain the run passer kick rules. And then uh, we'll see if uh, Scott Lawrence is up to the challenge. So for those that don't know, run pass or kick works like this. We're going to fire some questions at Coach Lawrence. We're going to prompt each question by run pass or kick. If he chooses to run with a question, he's going to answer it. If he chooses to pass a question, he's going to go ahead and pass that one off. And we'll move on to the next door. He can have a little fun with me. Put me on the back foot. Put me on the defensive. Maybe put a little chip through or a little grubber or something like that on me and see if he can get me uh, all worked up. And um, I'll have to answer in his stead and, and give, give an answer that I think he would answer. And he can grade me out, tell me I sucked. I mean, sure, as a coach, he's done that a few times to a few players. He can tell me I was spot on, but ultimately it is completely up to him to control the nature of the question. So, Coach Lawrence, are you ready for the run, pass, or kick challenge? I'm ready. All right. All right, let's get to the first question. And um, I think this is kind of one of the white elephants in the room. So don't be afraid to run, pass, or kick, whatever your choice um, you were GM and head coach of Rugby ATL. We know that you had a very successful run for a number of years there, a couple of years there. Um, well, we're only in week one of the MLR in 2023. By all accounts, ATL retained much of their rugby identity. Tactical kicking, uh, team continuity, excellent defense, hard hits. It makes sense given your relationship with current head coach D. Brett. But on the business side, it seems they're getting away from the identity which you helped build. Is this disappointing for you at all, run, pass, or kick? I'll, I'll run with that. Um, it, it's really not. It's, uh, you know, when you, when, you, when you purchase a business, you purchase a business with a, 
an idea to take it somewhere. You have your own vision. And, and when you sell the business, you, you really, you know, forfeit your own vision and say, it's, it's yours now and take it forward. So I don't have any disappointment in it. I think it's, it's a strategy. It's a, it's a turnover of the fan base. I think that's the, you know, uh, the idea around it. And, uh, and we'll see where it takes them. I, I, I'm sure they'll adapt along the way and, and figure out what works for the fan base in Atlanta eventually. That's a, that's a great answer. Uh, not just a, a good answer as a, a head coach of the Eagles, you know, having player selections within rugby ATL, but it's, it's a really good answer because it, uh, it indicates that in fact, just like anything we know and understand that MLR teams are a businesses. In fact, you know, they've got to have their own identity and vision, you know, from the top down and, and, and that's critical. And we know you're going to put your own vision identity on the Eagles. So that's what we want to get into. All right. Um, so in January, you were named the interim head coach of the United States Eagles men's program. I would assume that you want to eliminate the interim label. Um, so run, pass, or kick. What are your short and long-term KPIs for people that don't know key performance indicators by which your success should be measured? In the short term, uh, I'm not sure if this is a KPI or just really an outcome. There's really uh, two things that uh, we want to do in the first uh, eight months, and now we've got six left to do that. The first thing is to establish, uh, reestablish our senior team uh, that needs to be an American team with American values. And, uh, and we need to start over a little bit and, and, and refresh and, and set our sights a little bit differently. So that's about creating connection uh, to the past, the past Eagles, connection to the community. And uh, the Eagle experience for this group of Eagles that are going to be with us through this next cycle today. What does that look like? Because they are changing. They're different than the past. But what does that look like? And then that leads into the second outcome which I'm after, which is uh, to make sure that our 20s get a really good shot at qualifying for the Junior World Trophy. We want to give them three weeks in camp to prepare for that qualifier for Canada, the two-game series, June 5th and June 9th. And then uh, if they are successful there, give them another two weeks before they go uh, to Kenya. That is massively important because that group in eight years' time will be 27, 28. The select few of those that make it all the way through will have played together in two World Cups. They will be their second World Cup together. And and I so those those two things right now are where I'm really zeroed in is uh, is making sure that that those two things happen. Okay. And again, this is we were talking off camera. I all along after Gary Gold announced uh, that he would be stepping down, I felt that Scott Lawrence was the right man for the job. And this is one of the reasons I'm not just blowing smoke for fans out there. The fact that he's putting an emphasis on U twenties because he knows and understands that those are going to be the future Eagles that will take us from 2027 and 2031, right? That's the future. And that's what I love about that response. Scott is the fact that, you know, I don't know that any coach has really stepped into the position and focused on, development as much as uh you're gonna you're gonna focus on that right they've they've almost been they've used the eagles as as kind of stepping stones to something else john mitchell's a good example good coach but you know he always seemed to have his sights set on something else i know you don't i know you are where you want to be 
And uh, that's that's why I love that answer and and, um, your view on to take care of the short term and the immediate eagles and then also look to the long term uh, for sustainability and success moving forward. So wonderful. Love to hear it. I'm sure fans will, too. Let's move on to the next question. Uh, During the most recent qualifying campaign for Rugby World Cup, Gary Gold prepared by taking the team to South Africa. Of course, you were on that uh, staff. Um, and were involved in that process. And they took them um, to train and play uh, in South Africa and then ultimately played against the Cheetahs and the Pumas. Players have repeatedly uh, indicated that um, time training together is one of the biggest keys to success moving forward. So run, pass, or kick. If the Eagles are to be successful in 2027 and beyond, what would your ideal training play, uh, training playing calendar look like. So I'm going to give you a magic wand, right? You could just wave that however you want and you can structure your calendar from year to year uh, for training periods and um, competition periods. What would you like to have in your ideal world? I think we start with, I'll I'll run with it. So I I think we start with looking at where the bulk of the playing base is, which is domestic and in the MLR. Um, So this calendar is going to be really uh, from that point of view, um, the European leagues are great for players and we're going to always select players. And that is always a destination that we want players to have. Uh, they take up more of the calendar. Uh, so they, you know, they fall into more of a traditional calendar, but if you were to, if you were to start from January 1st of, of, of a year and say those first six to seven months are dedicated to uh, major league rugby cooperative development some of the stuff we're doing now, which you'll hear about in just a couple of weeks, is we're taking younger players out of the MLR. We're training them in full-time environments and giving them games so that when they come back to the MLR teams after a short period of time, they'll be more prepared and we'll get more minutes uh, for them. So a cooperative approach, there'll be Reg 9 windows, uh, two in there that are weekends that are around alignment into a summer test series. Ideally, if you think back to the ARC, there's a, there's a big window between August and uh, the start of December, which is an opportunity for us to play together as Americans in international competition. Uh, and uh, that is a good enough block, if that makes sense, that, it, that is enough time to build cohesion to play uh, in a series, whether it's an ARC or whether it's an APAC competition like we've had in the past, but actually have a two-month campaign that rolls through the fall that's uh, probably purely domestic-based in nature and, and, and then into a November test series. The athletes then get a, a two to three weeks off, so they get, you know, recharge their batteries, and then they're you know, back into their MLR pre-preseason, which starts in December. Um, that's the senior team. I would layer that in with, I would like to see uh, the age group from 18 to 23 playing in 15s summer competitions that are outside of the academic school year. Hmm. When we looked at uh, the the CRAA teams, good teams, lots of varsity programs in there and, and teams that are aspiring to be there. They play an average of 13 regular season games, four of which are competitive. They're getting a daily training environment. Our geography and our density says that uh, the, the cost to compete against each other is uh, it's enormous. 
because of mm -hmm. our scale. The way that you can, one way you can solve that is through a vibrant summer competition where the U20s are competing for the Junior World Trophy and playing in that. We're rolling into a U23 competition that is uh, more regional based. Uh, so what that does is if you were to just draw that out and say eight weeks in camp uh, each summer and you got uh, five games. And we started that and we said, that's going to, we're going to cap that at rising seniors in, 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 in university. There's a potential that you would have put in, you would put 40 more weeks and 20 more, you know, intense games into players between the age of 18 and 23 during that time period. And those that put their hand up and that are coming out of university are then eligible to join the senior Eagles or the Falcons during that fall window uh, that, uh, that, that is so critical. So I, I love the fact you talk about the layering component of the of the of the youth element, the U20s, the U18s, possibly the U16s, because again, it shows that 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 scaffolding of structure, and 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 even the connective piece where some of those U23s might find themselves in the Falcons, you know, and then maybe building and developing into the senior program, uh, and that's awesome. And as a you know former high school coach, I know that you know, the six or eight games that we would get during the spring just wasn't enough touches on the ball, right? Those, yeah. maybe for those kids that are just kind of dabbling in the game, but for those kids that are really talented that can show that they are have the ability to develop, um, they need more touches, they need to be able to develop, and they need an opportunity to do so. And, you know, not just through, you know, you know, being named and selected to, you know, to a camp, but being able to develop in these territorial you know, regional identification processes. So uh, like I said, Scott Lawrence has a plan, folks, and I love it. And we even will find out more, it sounds like, in a few weeks. So that is awesome for our fans to know. Um, so uh, uh, real quick, um, we're going to hit one more question before we kind of change the pace here. Um, but uh, so, so let me get to that one. Um, without So, you know, you kind of talked about this, kind of overarching vision that you would like to see for a year to year calendar, but let's talk about the here and the now, you know, obviously without world cup qualification, it can be a challenge to get the senior Eagles meaningful games to improve their performance. Cause some of those other teams want to play one another. Cause they know, you know, that they're going to be seeing them across the pools in uh, you know, here coming up in France um, in a recent interview with uh, Doug Coyle, you revealed that there will be some matches for the Eagles this fall. Um, yeah. Again, very detail-oriented guy, run, pass, or kick. What else do you have planned for the Eagles in USA Rugby um, coming up here uh, in the short term in order to prepare and qualify for 2027? The, uh, the we'll, we'll get together in April, and I'm pretty excited about this, this concept that we're, we're doing in April where – we had a reg nine window where we could bring in all of the players in uh, from across the globe and do that for two to three days in the middle of the regular season. But that is in April and we're not playing again until August. So what we decided to do was actually add a, take that away and add a week to the preparation. So add an extra week of domestic assembly time. So I, we can bring in a larger playing pool. Uh, and, and begin to give opportunities to younger players for competition. But during that weekend, we're still going to take a former group of Eagles that we've called Eagles Forever that uh, represents the current 
uh, diversity of our playing group, their past and their uh, the way that they see the world and where they grew up and all that kind of map pretty well to the mix of the current Eagles. We're going to take those, those, uh, there's four. We're going to take them, pair them with four uh, current leaders uh, in the Eagles team with a succession plan. We're going to go away for a weekend uh, and we're going to spend time establishing what that uh, link to the past looks like, that connection and what is the Eagles experience. Ultimately, what we're trying to create out of that is the environment that allows our Eagles to play their best rugby in an Eagles jersey. We want them to play well. We want them to have great games in, in uh, top 14 and premiership and MLR. We want them to have you know, all the things that go with that, but we want them to play their very best. So that's what's on the immediate horizon, You know, pretty exciting. What we'll do is we'll take out of that and the staff that we put together the selections that we make, they will align to the way that we see um, what a great eagle will look like for this next cycle. And then uh, we'll go compete. We'll play uh, three games in August. We'll tour Europe. We'll have a nice, good, uh, long assembly in Charlotte, North Carolina ahead of time. And uh, and then uh, once that's finished, we're really kind of at the behest of uh, world rugby around timing of fixtures for the fall. There will be something. It's just going to be a couple of months off. We've given them a couple of options of things that we think will work best for us and, and create continuity in the development plan. But uh, I don't expect to know anything for another couple months on that. Hey, folks at home uh, that are watching, you just, I feel like we just gave uh, you folks a scoop because, I mean, there was a lot in that plan uh, to love and a lot to look forward to uh, that will help shape the identity of, of the Eagles moving forward. I, I hate using the word culture. It's almost overused now, right? Yeah. But uh, what I do love about this is that you're really trying to give ownership and an identity to the current crop of Eagles and even that, that up and coming group, that's going to be, you know, again, important to the development uh, looking forward to 2027. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, again, I, I knew you'd have a plan, man. I, I had confidence. So I love it. And I can't wait to see it come to fruition. Uh, I'm so excited to, to see this Eagles team uh, develop starting now and, and moving forward. So it's, it's great to see. Folks, we're going to step away for just a minute. We're going to hear from uh, one of our sponsors to help keep our lights on. But uh, stay tuned. We'll be back just in a moment. And we're going to get more from Eagles head coach, Scott Lawrence. When we pick up the ball, we also pick up a legacy. A legacy that stretches beyond your current team. A legacy built on the backs of those who came before you with hard work. And for those who will come after you, we promise it won't be easy. But we'll be there, supporting you on and off the field. All right, we're back with the quick tap. A little change of pace, a little uh, dynamic fun uh, to bring some energy into the middle of the segment. And we're going to have fun with uh, Coach Lawrence and and we know he's kind of a serious dude. So some of this is kind of serious. Some of it's kind of fun, but it basically works like this. We're going to throw an either or choice at Coach Lawrence, and he's going to let us know what he, he chose. 
or he what he would choose. And he can uh, say, you know, give it some context. He can just leave it lie flat where it is. It's totally up to him. But he cannot pass or kick either one of these. He's got to answer them. So we're going to start with the first one. MLR final. There's been a lot of fans asking about this already just after week one. Um, should it be hosted by the home team or at a neutral site? This uh, this year, it should be at the home team. It uh, should okay. be at the higher team. In the future, it should be at a neutral site. But the, the, the fan base and the number of people in the stands uh, matter. And right now where the league is in its maturity, it makes sense to do it the way it is. Amen, my man. That's exactly the that, – that's the right answer as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Um, I just actually said the same thing to somebody recently, right? Yeah, for, for right now, we need to keep it – we need to keep the home energy, the home fans getting in there of, of the team that's done the best in the league thus far. But but at some point when, when the fan – when – the numbers get there, uh, it'll dictate having a neutral site. San Diego obviously had a lot of good fans this this, peak, uh, this last weekend, week one. Yep. So, you know, that would yep. that that might be a really good site in the near future. All right, moving on to the next one. All right. <clears throat> MLR's 10 foreign player spots. Yep. Should it be higher or lower? Lower over time. And – uh, I think that uh, the development of American players is uh, been the reason why it's been so high as well as increase of the product uh, level of play. I think uh, after being, you know, in the, in the game now for six years as a league, that it's time to start uh, visiting that. If you think about the 46 players that are on, you know, respective rosters on any game, uh, if you were to go from 10 to nine, would two players out of 46 make a difference to the overall product? I'm not sure that it would, but what I would say is that those minutes, if you took those two and they were American players and they were playing across six games, uh, it, you know, that particular weekend, that's 12 games times you, you do the quick math there, right? They play maybe 12 out of 16 games. It's 244 uh, opportunities for American players to get better. So I think from a performance perspective, it needs to be revisited over time. I also think from a commercial perspective, from, from some of the owners that I've been talking to, they see the value in American players as being good commercial uh, brand ambassadors and, and, and good for the game. Yeah. Once again, it's like a mind melding here. I, I 100% agree. Like, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but one of the things that I was a little disappointed by, in the final last year is uh, I think of the 30 starting 15 players in that final, I believe um, there were 11 Americans. If, if, if my math is correct. And I'm like, how can we develop the, the Eagles if we don't have them in a high per high pressure rugby environment, right? Yeah. How can we prepare them for qualification? At, you know, and, and I'm not blaming the owners. They got to run a business. You, we talked yeah. about it earlier. But, you know, if we're going to develop, we got to our, our Eagles have to be competing in high pressure environment on a, on a week to week basis, on a regular basis, and especially right. at the final. Right. And it's not all on them. You know, I, I, no. I kind of, think, you know, it's it's our it's our responsibility. It's our duty to prepare these players to make them a viable option to put on the field. And, uh, you know, and, and when we talk about those things around 
having positive U18 experiences, having a, a U20 team that competes internationally and has time together, a U23 competition, where do those players all end up? They end up in the MLR mm-hmm. with the experience and robustness that is required. Remember, the MLR is ahead. So, that, you know, the professionals are now becoming more and more robust and they're becoming better professionals. And so the gap between a player leaving university and and arriving uh, has the potential to really grow. And, and so we need to keep up with that. And like I said, there's a responsibility we have to uh, to make these players a viable option. 100%. I, I'm going to go with a little fun, fun uh, quick tap here. So uh, the new just came out. The uh, MLR uh, may have a new franchise or a new team. We'll, we'll see uh, Miami Sharks, and it's looking like with their logo, it's going to be uh, black and pink. Um, so um, should they keep the Giltinis uh, black and pink uh, colors that the Giltinis were known for, or should they go for something else? Uh, that's a tough question. I would say they, they should, it's Miami. How could you not have pink? <laughs> I, I guess they should go for it, right? Right. I mean, they got to have a, you know, a, uh, a, a, a Crockett and Tubbs night or something, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. only expected down there in Miami. All right. Next one. You, you talked about the fact you're going to be visiting MLR teams. You're going to be seeing about, uh, you know, the, each of the teams three times this year. So I got to ask you uh, this uh, visit to Chicago. Yes or no? Uh, yes. Ah, there we go. I like to see it. Let me know. I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to shake your hand and uh, congratulate you for, for being the guy to lead us into the next uh, five years. So awesome. Good to hear. I know Chicago fans will be looking forward to that. All right. Last one. I'm going to put the screws to you on this one. Cause I know, you know, both of these gentlemen very well. If you had like your choice, you're going to build a starting 15 of any Eagle that ever played. And they're in their absolute prime. Who is going to be your captain, Lyle or Haji? Uh, now I, that that is a tough one because you know most, <laughs> most of them, one of them's going to be upset if I don't yeah. pick. Yeah. Uh, what would be the year? Would it be this year? Well, it'd be kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like the old Tecmo Bowl where you could, or, or uh, the, the Madden where you, you got this, you know, you could pick your, your, your players at any era and bring them in and make a stellar team. And yeah, yeah. So you get, you get them in their prime. I was going to say, if you're picking them and it's maybe a, a you know, early two thousands team and, and you could pick them, then you would go with Haji. But if it's a, it's a, you know, modern uh modern team a little more flash a little more nbc you know experience on the air you know kind of a thing you you go with lyle for that one i got you i i, I see what you're saying okay i like it that was a very diplomatic answer by the way i appreciate that Appreciate that. I'm sure they will too. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go back to our RPK. We got uh, three or four questions here um, as, as we move back into it. And I just want to throw out there, uh, Scott, one of the last things we do is typical on the rugby rant. You know, if 
you want to throw a shout out after our last question, or if there's a charity that's important to you, um, you know, if you have something in the back of your mind, just throw it out there and, and let us know and, and give everybody a kind of a call to action. Um, Cause I know there's, there's, there's a lot of rugby players that are taking a uh, more, a bigger interest in some of these other charities and organizations uh, to sponsor. So with that being said, let's get into question number five. In the wake of the failure to qualify and some of the political fallout, Rugby Canada engaged in its own high-performance review. Uh, one of the areas of concern was talent ID and alignment for their 15s and 7s programs. So run, pass, or kick. How should the United States Rugby, USAR, uh, navigate this challenge as we have players like, for example, Logan Tago or a David Stills that are kind of playing both codes? I have to, I'm going to have to kick back to you on that one. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting. I, I, I spoke with, oh, I think it was Paul Santinelli. We had a nice conversation a few weeks back, and he talked about the fact that Danny Barrett, it took him about six months to get ready and train for, you know, switching from, from sevens code to 15s. And, um, you know, I was never a, a, much of a sevens player. I just, I just didn't really delve into that. I stuck with 15s, but I got to imagine to do it right. You really need to have that uh, proper training environment. Um, and, and you, you can't dabble in both codes. So in my mind, I, I almost think you have to identify those players early. You kind of have to funnel into the code that you think, um, suits their skill set uh, and their, their athletic talents the best, um, you know, obviously in America, we, we allow a lot of freedom of choice. So if a player wants to go 15s, in spite of the fact that you might feel as a coach, he's better suited to seven, so be it. But, you know, I know as coaches, being a coach myself, that you can certainly kind of give a player um, a pretty good um, insight and pathway into what might be best for their development and where they might find that end goal of being an eagle, um, you know, uh, best for them. So I would say you need to have separate. Uh, very few players have that ability to change codes that quickly like that. Yeah. I think on the, um, I think the, the identification, I agree with you in uh, X factor players need to find their way into 15. And, and right now the X factor type players are uh, migrating to sevens. It's the easiest path to be honest. It's, it's a very tough game to play. It is from a, you know, skill and space and, um, tactical awareness perspective, it's it's an easier transition uh, to do. But uh, I, I think that identification when it comes to this 15s pathway, and it's something we're focusing really heavily on with the 20s and the 18s, is as those players uh, move from traditional American sports, maybe they're not going to go to university to play football or basketball is is that is the time to, to grab those X-factor athletes and make sure that they're in really solid development plans where they see a pathway uh, to 15s. 100%. I, I got to tell you, I think that's one of the things, though, that the, the women's team missed here in, in New Zealand. I, I don't think they had the uh, dynamic players necessary on the, on the edges. You know, they just um, – you saw – I think you saw it in, in Japan and you saw it in uh, – was it uh, – was it France that was in their pool, if I'm not mistaken? They just had some really dynamic – their back three was re were really dynamic, and they really found gaps and found space. And I don't know if some of those ladies had come over from the sevens code and started to training and prepping for the, the World Cup, 
But um, yeah, I, I agree. I think we need to identify those players that can be X factors because you you need them. I mean, you need somebody on the corners just to pin their ears back and be able to score those yeah. tries uh, in, in in high pressure games. Um, yeah. uh, so all right, so um, you know we've talked a lot about development, developing the next generation, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to stick with that theme here with this next one: run, pass, or kick. What do we need to do to grow the game and develop? the generation that will compete in 2031 right here on our home soil. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll run with that one. I think, uh, I think at this, uh, you know, we've talked about a lot of the pieces around that and how, how do we develop that? And um, there, there's two things that, that I think we, we need to really get behind and that is to play as many games as possible. Uh, and, I know that sounds really generic, but if you're trying to split your seasons, we see a lot of college, you know, universities that are playing 15s for three months and then taking three months off and then playing sevens for three months. And then, you know, and then, and then a summer off, this is just not going to move the needle, uh, you know, in terms of our development. So I think it's this commitment uh, to playing more games and actually starting to change our mindset a little bit around summers uh, and playing 15s in the summer, uh, you know, as a, as a development vehicle, I think that'll, that'll fill the gap, uh, pretty quickly in terms of those competitive experiences. I think on the selection, uh, front and when it comes to kind of, uh, development is to really just get a firm grasp of what does the type of, uh, athlete or person that we want look like. And that's, that's really somebody who's, above average, uh, athletically one can, can they play, can they ball or the instinctual, um, that's where it starts, but are they above average athletically? Do they have good work ethic? Are they coachable? Uh, and if we can find those things and that's what we've put as the selection criteria for the twenties now, uh, if we can find those things and we can develop them, the biggest thing that goes alongside of those playing experiences are the people that they meet along the way. And that means that, uh, we're going to have to give American coaches opportunities uh, in uh, not only collegiate system, but in professional teams uh, and in these representative teams that we've got long-term American coaches. And we're going to have to let them fail. And we're going to get, have to get our nose bloodied a little bit uh, and learn. But uh, we need to create uh, that connection and we need more Americans that are, are, you know, that they touch along the way that, that can change their course. Wow. There was an, <laughs> there was an awful lot for you folks at home to think about in that piece uh, that coach Lawrence just talked about. Um, there were so many things that I wanted to touch upon, but two stood out to me and I got to ask a follow-up on this one, Scott, um, you, you talked about doing a fifteens in the summer. So, most of your college players, you know, they go home for the summer and they hook on with, I mean, and my son is an example, hook on with a, you know, a, a, a sevens program that's coming out of one of the men's clubs. You know, how do we, you know, with, without men's and women's clubs playing 15s during the summer, how do we provide that vehicle or, you know, who provides that vehicle to get them more opportunities to play 15s? I, I think, um, it's a, probably a collaboration with major league rugby. Mm. Uh, what are the things that hold you back? Infrastructure and availability of infrastructure yeah. is one during that particular time timeframe. Um, and they have largely uh, idle facilities 
during that period where players are just, you know, doing conditioning and, and you know, a little bit of skill work each week. But um, so there's an opportunity there. The, the second opportunity that comes with that is the interaction of the professional coaches in the in MLR with uh, coaches that are coaching in that 18 to 23 age grade range and the pairing and the, and the community and the growth that comes from that and coaching those environments. So if you were to paint a little dream for the, the calendar that we talked about earlier, what I'd mm-hmm. say is uh, I would have in each region, I would have a team that's based out of an MLR facility with MLR coaches working with college coaches and creating a, a regional structure that they compete against each other uh, using uh, leveraging everything we have at our disposal, which is uh, our professional and, and our players. Yeah. And, and I think for folks that haven't seen it, the model, we've talked about it here in the rugby rent, the model is the, the uh, young glory. I mean, they really have, a model that is, is gearing towards that. Of course, um, you know, yeah. they have a, a real nice mix of coaches, Ben Sima, former U S national team player himself being involved with that. So high quality coaching, uh, developmental pathway, reaching out to the community, all those necessary things. So, um, that, that, that's a really, really good model, uh, moving forward. Love to see that. Um, so, uh, wow. That's, a, that's great answers there. Um, so moving on to the second to last question here as we start to wrap this up, been awesome uh, spending time with Scott Lawrence and getting insight to, you know, where he wants to take uh, the United States uh, rugby into the future and the U.S. Eagles. Um, I want to talk a little bit about where we've come from and perhaps get a little bit more insight on that component. Um, so the, the Americas will be represented by Uruguay and Chile uh, in 2023 Rugby World Cup. Both countries have centrally contracted players, a significant number of whom play for club teams. Selknam is just an example um, that are playing in SRA. Uh, so run pass or kick. Does the United States need to consider employing a similar approach or, you know, does our size and scale, as you talked about earlier, dictate something totally separate? We do for that fall time, time period. Mm-hmm. Uh that is that is the time in which we can we can create that cohesion, and we can extend the the playing experience for a larger pool of players, uh, because of the availability of the European based players in particular. Um, so that I believe that's the case. That's what the fall competition is geared towards. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're we're actually doing that now, um, where we've plucked thirty players out of the MLR. Uh, we've put them in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they're playing eight games against SRA teams over the next two months. And they're just they're players that are on the verge of MLR rosters or maybe at the top of their academy. And the idea is just to get them more playing minutes together. Uh, that's a really nice model for us going forward to start to work out what that looks like operationally, what that looks like staffing-wise. Uh, and then what does that look like selection wise for, for us to build on that and, and, uh, and, and to, you know, compete in that way. I, I think the SRA is a, is a wonderful competition. Uh, I, I don't know if it, I don't think it works in the fall based on, based on their, uh, calendar, but, uh, there are opportunities in other countries and there's, there's a big one right up, uh, that's just across the border up North that is looking for fall competition as well. Absolutely. 
Um, I, I love that plan. I love the fact that you guys are taking some of those guys that maybe aren't aren't getting on match day rosters, so they aren't getting meaningful minutes, and you're providing with a with a uh, an avenue from which to get those meaningful minutes. International competition, by the way, which I don't think enough can be said about giving got young guys an opportunity to compete internationally, to go elsewhere, or compete in, in challenging environments. I know, you know, a friend of ours, mutual friend of ours, David Fee, has always talked about trying to play in some of those hostile environments, having bottles and batteries and, you know, calculators thrown at them. Apparently they thought he should be doing more math. But, um, you know, um, I, I think it's important that they get those opportunities because that's only going to make them stronger mentally uh, when, you know, World Cup qualification and World Cup competition comes. So I love it. Um, one last question here, and then we're going to we're going to hear from you uh, just about, you know, giving a shout out or, um, you know, um, um, support of some kind of charity. Um, we talked about it off camera, something that um, I don't know that a lot of folks know about, but I think they're going to need to know and they want to know about this. Um, so run past her kick. What will rugby fans want to know about what's called and being labeled as Eagles DNA. Talk about that if you could. Eagles uh, DNA is uh, Eagles data and analytics. And it is a model of uh, not only hard data that comes from players playing around uh, the globe uh, that back up a human eye component of a, a group of seven coaches that are helping me look at players on a positional basis week in and week out for things that do not come through uh, in the analytics. So we're looking to uh, have a complete picture of the Americans playing that not only says, here's your game output, here's, here's when you're at your best, maybe you're off the bench, you have higher positive moments in a game or, or whether you're a starter, those things we can all tease from the data and watch. But then uh, somebody who's looking at every single back row in uh, across the globe that's playing as an American and saying, okay, this person has the right work ethic off the ball. Um, I like this person's attitude. I'm a former Eagle. I would like to have that person playing beside me. That's the ultimate question uh, that we asked. And, and so when we, so that this group is really the group that helps give me scale in terms of detail at a positional level. They know what they're doing. They know what they're looking for. And, uh, and it, it gives us a better selection vehicle. When we talk about finding hidden gems or we talk about, um, you know, you know, trying to find somebody who may be a bench player, but actually fits really well into the Eagles system. This is where that context, this is where that profile comes from, is from a more detailed point of view. And they work with me every week. They watch games every week with me, and we talk about players at a positional level. That's awesome. And, and here's what's interesting, you know, with this idea where analytics like has dominated the baseball conversation for so much. And so many people have said, it's all about analytics. It's all about analytics. And then you hear some people go, yeah, but we need to balance the analytics with the human eye and what you can, you know, just that, I don't know, that intuitive sense that you have yourself as a former Eagle, some of the, the other, the other individuals that are in your, uh, in your inner circle with this DNA component things that they know, things that they've seen, things that they're just experience in having played at a high level tells them about a particular player having that balanced approach. I love it. 
they um, they have the ability. The nice part is, is you know, you can use data to discover things you didn't know and mm -hmm. validate or invalidate your assumptions about a player. And so by providing uh, these coaches with rich analytics, it allows them to do just that. You know, it allows them to confirm or alter their, uh, you know, opinion of a player as well. But like you said, you're not, you can't get from something from, from data that, that will, you know, you know how many penalties a player committed, but unless you sit and look at a player for eight straight minutes in a game and just watch his every movement, you don't know how disciplined he is. Right. And, you know, and, and that's where that comes from. Uh, you, you won't get that off a, off a number. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Great approach. I know you guys are going to have success moving forward. As I've said, fans, this is the right guy at the right moment for our Eagles. And I can't wait to see what happens over the course of the next year and beyond as we head towards 2027. Before we move out of here, of course, just as is tradition with every guest that we bring on the Rug Passer Kick, we're going to give them an opportunity to throw a shout out or talk about a charity or some kind of organization that they feel is important for fans to be aware of. And should you find it interesting to go seek it out and, and support if necessary. So Coach Lawrence, take it away. What's on your docket for supportable organizations or shout outs? Uh, I'm going to be selfish on this one. You know, in uh... – in 1962 at Rice University, JFK said that we'd put a man on the moon within the decade. And seven years later, we did exactly that uh, as a nation. That World Cup is in eight years, and we can go to a quarterfinal. That's our moonshot. And uh, that's going to start with um, people such as Kyle Sumption, who's done a wonderful job of pulling together the 20s and has created a great program this year. And we've created a, a bucket called Fuel the Future, which is to fuel our rocket. The, every program that runs under men's 15s are running under Project Mercury for 2023. And so we want to fuel the future. There's um, happy to send a link. You can, you can send me a message, reach out to me. But um, we need to give these 20s, these 19 and 20-year-olds, the best possible experience and opportunity to qualify to change their stars for the, and, and that is to compete in Kenya in the Junior World Trophy. So, um, little known fact, it costs about $100,000 a week to put a team in camp. It's a massive number when you think about housing and flights and food and everything. So, um, you know, I believe in this, this cause so much that I've dedicated, you know, I've already committed and, and donated my first two months' salary as the head coach. Um, so, I started it. Um, it's going in and, and, uh, and there's a group, uh, of, of other folks that have joined in with me, but, uh, you know, let's get behind these players. Folks, there's one thing I've been in education for 27 years. And one of the things that I've found that rings true time in and time out, and that is this good leaders don't ask anybody to do what they're not willing to do themselves. And what I love about what Scott just said is that he put his money where his mouth is and he's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done himself. And the most important thing our boys need and, and women need it too, uh, is money. We need, they need our support. And um, I have no doubt that that support will be well utilized under Scott Lawrence and his team as a part of project Mercury. So 
Coach Lawrence, it's been an absolute pleasure sharing the last uh, 46 minutes with you and um, getting to know what your plans are moving forward for you as Eagles. My friend, I can't wait to see what the next year to you know five years brings. I'm super excited, and um, I, I can't wait to support our Eagles moving forward, both at the U20 level and uh, up to the senior level. Thank you so much. Uh, for having the conviction and courage to jump into this role and the commitment to our USA program. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, we can't do this without, without you and without everybody, you know, it's going to take a village and that's, and that's all of us. So uh, it entirely grateful and uh, really uh, honored to, to do it. So, so thanks for having me on. Thank you. And Rugby Rant fans, of course, you can find us at, on all social media, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, but you can also find us on all major, major uh, you know, podcast platforms from Spotify to iTunes, et cetera, et cetera. So support, you know, like us, follow us, uh, give us your comments. If there's something you want to ask, you want to hear about maybe a player that you want to hear from, let us know, shoot us a message and we'll ha be happy to do our best. And Coach Lawrence, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers. And with that, we're out of here. Thank you so much, Rugby Rand fans. We'll see you guys at the next. Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Your premium North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby one fan at a time.